Hey there, crypto curious gang. It's time to plug in and play with the blockheads at Blockcast. Strap in for our weekly whirlwind tour through the blockchain jungle where NFTs, shiny coins, and crypto titans tango. Served up with a side of spicy insights and the crunchiest bits of the digital sphere. Let's dive into the decentralized deep end. Blockcast is live in three, two, one. Right, welcome back to another episode of Blockcast. It's been a while since we had Huat Kui with us, um, but we also have um, Blockheads co-founder here this week. Uh, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. Uh, hi, yeah, I'm Kyle Han. As Tim said, yeah, I'm co-founder at Blockhead. GMGM, GM, uh, Huat Kui here, and just to give my thoughts on the crypto side of stuff. Yeah, thanks guys. And uh, this is Timothy Mizier, a managing editor at Blockhead. Hey, what way? You've been away for a while, man. What have you been up to? Looking at a different ecosystem, I think Solana has been getting their hype and stuff. So exploring the stuff over there. Mm. Um, it's not, not, not just in terms of the projects, but also the tech. Uh. So people have always been comparing, right? So I just went deeper down the rabbit hole to understand like, you know, uh, how, how it works and what, why is it people are saying that it's special and uh, it, is it true? Uh, because we must trust and verify, right? Yeah, just to make sure, just to verify myself, uh, how it works and the different kind of projects that are sprouting out on uh, Solana ecosystem. Uh, since you brought that up, I guess we can talk about Solana for a couple of minutes. I mean, at least just look at the prices. It has grown way more than Bitcoin in the past couple of months in terms of percentage. Well, what's behind it? First thing is price drive attention and attention drive the audience uh, coming over. That's for sure, right? Because you get the attention, then the people will come. Uh, I think the second thing is there are uh, narrative that Solana now is better with all the new tech that they have implemented. So they had breakpoint where they release a lot of uh, new stuff. And with regards to their chain being hot, so I think previous year they always had their chain hot. I think that has happened less or might not even happen in the past one year. And also the decentralization concern, uh, like their validation, validators, uh, it's hard to become a validator because you need a bare metal machine. It's not just like Ethereum, you can use a Raspberry Pi, but they have their own reasoning and they are also coming out with new clients that we, we can leverage on. On the tech side, there's new stuff. On the attention side, because the price is going up, it drives more people looking at the chain. I think the attention, the tech, and also the new stuff that the new projects they are building on it makes it interesting for Solana and naturally the price goes up. You also wrote an article on uh, airdrops on Solana. So uh, I guess if, if the listeners are interested, that article is on, on blockhead.co. Oh yeah, I wrote that. just want to give a quick update. So mm. inside I mentioned Jito, which is a liquid staking, that airdrop is out already. Meaning to say they already announced they are going to do the airdrop and they cut off was 25th of November. So in, in the article, there was five airdrop opportunity, right? So one yeah. is already out. So there are other four. Yeah, can focus on the other four. Actually, there are still quite a bit. Uh, we can do like part two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we, we have planned uh, a, a deep dive into the Solana ecosystem on an upcoming episode of Blockcast. So, so we'll talk more yeah, about yeah, Solana yeah. In, a, in an upcoming episode. Um, we're, we're trying to arrange something with Austin, like, as you know, so... Yeah. Super. I would also like to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This week, 
lots to talk about. Cohen, take us through the first story. One of the biggest stories this week is uh, Binance. So Binance got fined by the US government for whopping $4.3 And CZ himself has consequently stepped down, facing a $50 million penalty himself. And Singaporean ex-MAS director Richard Tang has taken the helm as CEO now. So it's quite a, quite a big shift in the space. But it's... Seems like a lot of people are taking it well. Like it seems like it's a step in the right direction, mm-hmm. and somewhat been on the cards. I think. Okay, so they they they, they paid a four point three billion fine, right? And this is yeah. considered a win in many in many observers' eyes because it was also speculated to be up uh, you know up to ten billion, but you know now it's only about four. Yeah. So the interesting thing is, according to the proof of reserves it's an easy payoff for Binance. But that said, Binance has kind of obfuscated what their liabilities are. So there's concern there as well. Mm-hmm. And that sure, yeah, the proof of reserves can cover it and not, it's not going to be an FTX situation, but the true financial health of Binance is still unclear. Richard Tang has done a round of interviews recently trying to reassure everyone that, that they're financially strong. But there's no proof thus far. So I think the future of Binance... It's still unclear as much mm-hmm. as Richard Tang is, is trying to reassure people. Richard Tang has close ties to regulators all around the world, right? Especially in the in, in, in the major crypto hubs like uh, in the UAE and and in Singapore. Yeah. He was also XMES, right? Yeah, so he's using that as kind of like a badge of honor, right? That he's the yeah. regulator guy that he's gonna. Yeah, I mean, is he is he just warming the seat? you know, for, for CZ's return three years later, where, you know, when crypto is actually widely adopted, when we're back in a bull market, you know, CZ comes back as the, you know, as, as the leader, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, he, like, like, like the, the, the ground has been laid for him to come back. I mean, right now, everyone's already saying that he basically sacrificed himself so that we can all have a bull market. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. CZ did quite have quite a strong following. I don't know, that one, that one's hard hard to say whether he'll actually make a return. But but basically right now the SEC is clearing house, right, before the yeah. impending spot Bitcoin ETF approvals. There's there's a lot yeah. of clearing up going on, you know, with Kraken and with all, all the other uh, yeah. exchanges in the US. Yeah, which is good, right? Which is exactly kind of what the crypto industry needed. The biggest obstacle i guess or, or what was in the way was was binance and cz so now now that that's done we're, we're all ready for a bull market is that is that what, how you see it <laughs> <laughs> oh i i don't see it this way so for example uh let's let's start with sec sec going around you know having lawsuit going for different exchanges like kraken previously they go after kraken for staking so Kraken comply. Now they are going after Kraken again. Oh, these are speculation, right? So it, it could be because because they cannot take down Coinbase, right? They mm-hmm. have a case with Coinbase been lingering for so long mm-hmm. and Coinbase is big enough to, you know, you, you want a lawsuit, let's go to a lawsuit, right? I, I feel that SEC is like shop, shopping around, trying to find judge that will give them a case that they win. Then they can use that to use it on other cases, just for example, if they are able to take down Kraken, then they can use that case against Coinbase and against other exchanges also. So uh, I feel that the SEC situation is a little bit different. But in terms of CZ stepping down, 
like he sacrificed himself for the bull market. I think the big plus here for the market sentiment is that there's no overhanging of uh, doubts. That yeah. means people are like, well, what's going to happen to Binance, right? Uh, if uh, if CZ fall, uh, okay, so you know the answer. Not nothing is going to happen because someone is going to take over. Binance is still going to stand. It's just that right now, what Cohen and you have discussed is, so people have doubts, uh, like uh, whether the assets, uh, do they have enough or not? But I feel it should be okay. <laughs> There's all those fine are like decim- like we say, right? Like decimal point mm, for yeah. CZ. Why do you think they're so reluctant to be audited publicly? Like Coinbase has been very transparent, obviously because it's a listed company, right? But Binance, there seems to be some sort of a hesitation to succumb to a, a, a clean audit and transparency about the liabilities and everything. If they were so confident that they could just pay it off, why do you think they're... I don't know, it feels like they might be hiding something. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh-huh. There's, there is no doubt. It seems like... Um, they're not, they're not very transparent. They're transparent about their financial status. So this is how I see it, right? So there is no doubt that Binance, or people call it Binance now. Uh, I hear uh, Binance. <laughs> Binance. When they were small, they do funny stuff, right? So okay. when you are a small startup trying to build a crypto exchange, and that time when they were in Shanghai, you know, they do all sorts of things just to survive la. so that's that's natural right and when you are small no one will come after you right you, you try to skirt around break some rules because the the volume is small right so for sure in the past i'm sure they they did some funny stuff it's just that i, I feel that as they progress and now that they are you no know, like the leading exchange they're trying to clean up all those funny stuff and i think richard could be a good guy to help do the cleanup <laughs> So this could be one of the reasons, right? They do they want to they don't want to expose everything now because the cleanup haven't finished, right? Still the, in the missing of right. uh, my 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 garage is super messy right now. I need to, you know, when I have a beautiful garage, I will show it to you. Mm. Coinbase, I think, you know, as a US startup when it's coming out, they follow a lot of regulation. You no. Know? They also start up, come from uh, YC. They also have the move fast, break things, but they Maybe they follow more of the legal stuff in US. Their garage is not that messy, right? So it's still quite in orderly. So if you want to see it, let me open my garage for you. Yeah, it's messy in some operation area, but you know, uh, most of the things you want to find, you can still find it. Yeah, so so I think you need to still look at their startup background a little bit different. Yeah, I think that it's, it's a bit different because when the SEC got after stuff like Coinbase and Ripple, the fundamental base of their uh, lawsuit is what the definition of a security is, right? So they're going after Coinbase because they're saying that they operate as an unregistered securities exchange. So then that that just unravels whatever, what a crypto is defined, right? It's not necessarily what Coinbase is doing. But when they go after Binance, it's for like money laundering, it's for like... CZ's tree of companies that he's like pushing money through, right? So I feel like it's a different type of allegation that they're going after. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and also allowing like Syrian, Iranian, Russian yeah. accounts. I, yeah, I actions. agree. Yeah. The, the case is very different. So the SEC versus Ripple versus Coinbase versus Kraken is one category. SEC versus Binance is one category. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Different, different thing they are going after. Yeah. Well, what, what do you guys think is going to happen to the exchange itself? Like, you know, this similar thing happened with BitMEX, right, years ago. And then they, the exchange kind of faded into obscurity. I mean, now, now they're like a derivatives focus 
you know, catering to institutional clients only. But before, before you know, they uh, Arthur Hayes was slapped with a with with his house arrest and all that. You know, they they were huge. Yeah, true. I don't know. I think it's, it's still a bit too bit too early to say. But I mean, what like one billion or something is left, right? Left the exchange already. There's already mm-hmm. there's already people moving away from it. I think it all yeah. depends on how Richard Teng plays it now. When Arthur Hayes stepped down, there wasn't like a Richard Teng, right? That kind of. Yeah, I mean they they so replaced uh, the, they replaced a lot of their leadership with I think guys from from the German stock exchange, um, so it became like just like you know any other yeah stuffy regulated fi- financial firm with, with not much action going on. Um, although Arthes is still posting on their blog and is quite vocal about what's going on. I I, I guess. Uh, the immediate effects on this Binance development is that their competitors have been gaining market share, which is something that they've been trying to do for ages. But you know, Binance had always been the dominant player. Now, I guess the playing field is a bit more equal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what you were saying earlier. Like Coinbase has definitely benefited benefited from this. Uh, yeah, because OKX and uh, oh yeah, OKX also for sure, but. I just feel that the exchange in terms of crypto exchanges is only natural for them in the long run to follow all the legal stuff and just be a normal exchange. <laughs> it, yeah. It's hard for them to be like, oh, I'm a crypto exchange. I am like very different. So I, I don't think so because I think if you want to uh, exchange, want to be successful, you know, want to bridge between, especially when they are doing with fiat, right? They have on-ramp, off-ramp. They just need to comply with what the government wants if they want to, you know, have a play in their respective country they are, they are in. Uh. So yeah. be, you are in Europe, you need to follow the SEC in Europe. In Singapore, MAS, whatever, and all. So it's part of the game. It's hard for them to be too, too wow. <laughs> but you can see a lot of exchanges are leaving themselves a, okay, backdoor is not the correct word, but alternative path. Mm-hmm. OKX used to have a chain that was uh, POA built on Cosmos, did not have much traction. Now they sort of like pivot, now have a new L2. Binance have their uh, BNB chain which is still active. Coinbase has their base. You can also think of it like this. Is, these are their alternative path, right? So in the long run, DeFi maybe might trump centralized exchange. The volume might just go to all these DeFi application. And uh, who owns the chain? Or oh, Binance owns the BNB chain. A lot of people just tra- move over. They, they, they just move from CEX to BNB and start using uh, PancakeSwap to do exchange. You want to do option, you have the option DeFi. You want to do futures, you have the futures DeFi. So this is how I see the, the change moving forward. So exchange definitely have to uh, do all the proper and legal stuff. They might use their alternative path, their respective chain to do all the more forward and interesting things uh, in the mm-hmm. crypto space. Mm-hmm. How do you guys feel about uh, that there's a Singaporean, not only a Singaporean, but an ex-MAS Singaporean that's at the helm of Binance now, as fellow Singaporeans yourselves? I feel very proud. <laughs> I feel that like Binance, also Singaporean CEO. Uh, now we also have Binance, also uh, Singaporean CEO. I thought like Singapore being represented, right? We, we seldom hear uh, of top leading companies with uh, Singaporean as CEO, excluding Singapore companies, right? So all those like Kepler and all this, but I'm talking about like this kind of global. At least I feel like Singapore represented. Uh, and this is one of the largest exchange, <laughs> crypto exchange in, uh, in the world right now. Yeah, I mean, Singapore is not a very 
entrepreneurial, uh, innovative place, I guess. So we, we don't build great global companies, but we definitely have the people to be put in place at the top. Uh. <laughs> the ByteDance uh, CEO, the important guy, did, did well when he was grilled by Congress. I, I guess these English-speaking but Asian CEOs seem to do well in the U.S. as well because they can deal with the regulatory environment they know how to engage regulators and, and the legal side of things, and they can also uh, present themselves well to the public. A, a good formula for Chinese companies that, wa- that want to uh, grow in the U.S. is just a, a point, a Singaporean CEO. <laughs> but he, he's not representing Singapore. He's just a Singaporean, so nothing to be proud of on, on, on my end. But it's, it's interesting to see this guy grow from his time at MAS to, I think he was in Abu Dhabi uh, at the regulator there, and then as the CEO of Binance SG, and, and now leading the top centralized exchange globally. Uh, I guess that's a nice segue into the other MAS news this week. Oh, that's right, yeah. The, the big news was that last week, the MAS unveiled a comprehensive set of measures that aimed at safeguarding consumers so as to foster responsible growth in, in the digital asset space. Basically, a new set of retail investor restrictions, such as mandatory customer risk awareness tests if they want to access crypto services, ban on incentives for prospective and existing customers. So these are things like sign-up bonuses, referral rewards, trading incentives. Also a ban on using credit facilities and leverage transactions for buy crypto. This means like you can't use you know, local credit cards. And then there's also the ban on lending and staking services. But this, I think that one was announced uh, quite a while ago already anyway. And then there's also classification of retail investors. Uh, the default classi- classification will be retail unless you know the individual meets the criteria for being a accredited investor or institutional investor. So uh, your crypto holdings can be factored into determining the status, but there's a 50% haircut on that and a cap of 200,000. So uh, a new set of, of rules for retail investors want to engage with digital asset space. I, I guess this has been a long time coming. Uh, there have been increasingly stringent curbs on what digital asset service providers can do when dealing with re- the, the retail crowd. There's been an advertising ban in place for a long time as well. And the digital asset ecosystem is growing and evolving. Um, so I guess Singapore just wants to take a proactive measure to ensure that, that the crypto market is secure and reliable. They don't want a repeat of, of FTX, right? That, that, that burned yeah. a lot of people last year. And quite a few customers went to MAS saying, hey, you know, why didn't you do anything to protect us? Obviously, it's not on MAS to, to do that, but many people still felt that they, they felt that MAS had a role to play in, you know, firstly, you know, sanctioning this exchange in Singapore, and then allowing it to, to conduct its, its activities and, and, and recruit, recruit customers over here. I don't know what you guys think. I mean, th- these measures largely apply to, I guess, they only apply to, to the license exchanges here. I mean, that's not the only way people engage with the crypto ecosystem. When, will, when do you think they'll uh, loosen the grip, I guess? on? Uh... I think it just it will only get tighter, right? As more people you know, engage with this ecosystem, it will only get tighter. I mean, you see what happened in Hong Kong, right? Like the floodgates are open, retail can trade. Oh, yeah. And then there's JPEGs. And then last week, another uh, so-called scam exchange. Uh, I, I can't remember the figure now, but hundreds of millions uh, of, of customer funds were you know, basically being taken away via this scam. This is what happens when there's an unregulated market and 
lots of customers flooding in. Yeah, the regulator just has to go beyond what is necessary, at least in the initial stage, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I guess playing it safer is smarter, for sure. You can't put the, the the genie back in the bottle, right? You can't you can't ban crypto now, especially without Singapore's position, uh, you know, in in the industry. You just have to limit the risk as much as possible for for the retail crowd. Yeah, yeah, they need to have a market, meaning to say, kind of agree with Tim. We need to have an industry. We need to have a crypto industry. So they did. They need to sort of like protect the retail. But at the same time, they need to have a space for the crypto industry, Web3, to operate. I quite like the uh, cap of 200k to be the finders <laughs> and the steps towards becoming an accredited investor, which means that a DGEN can't just become an accredited yeah, investor, yeah. right? <laughs> I thought that was, that was quite a smart one. Yeah. I mean, what could you, you know, for, for someone like you or like, you know, your crowd, you don't even deal with centralized exchanges. These measures don't matter, right? This really affects, like, you know, your, I guess, mom and pop average retail investor. Actually, I didn't pay much attention to these news because uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's not just the exchange. So, so for example, credit card purchase. I don't use credit card to purchase. The fees are so high. Uh, even if I'm doing uh, on-ramp or if I really need to buy on exchange, the fees are so high, I don't use that. Yeah, and, and there's extra fees as well. Like, yeah. like the, the credit card company will tack on because you're buying from like you know a crypto exchange. Yeah. I mean, this is what friends have told me. Like you know, they buy like I don't know a few hundred dollars, but then there's extra hundred dollar charge just because they've got it from like I don't know whatever XYZ exchange. Yeah. So I I don't understand who who <laughs> use who use yeah, credit why, card. Why Maybe. would you do that in the first place? Yeah. yeah. So it's extra yeah. fees, right? So so that's one. Then the second one, like uh, they classifying into retail and accredited investors. Not big enough to be accredited. Sharing that if you are accredited, you can use credit card and you have more access to like crypto exchanges and stuff doesn't matter to me because I only use exchange to on ramp and off ramp. After that, I'm mostly a DeFi guy, right? So I use mm-hmm. DeFi protocols for exchange. If I want to trade, I use uh, perpetual trading, which is also a DeFi protocol. So it doesn't affect me per se. And the group of friends that I have, they always use DeFi products. I think in the long run, I will share in the Binance topic, right? Now, exchange is for sure the entry point. My wallet and exchange is the entry point. But once the wallet gets easier, the UI, uh, things like ERC4337, like this kind of improvement. Because right now, if you're coming from Web2, uh, you're buying stock, you go to a crypto exchange to buy stock, you expect the stock to be in a place right, where there is protected and all. Exchange have to follow the rules, uh, ensure that all this happen. But I believe in the long run, people will just move to, more people will move to DeFi. Maybe MAS have to catch up on the rules again. Uh. So I guess these rules are probably designed for the extreme also. I mean, like, I guess if you are a retail guy and you want to buy crypto with a credit card, you probably should be stopped anyway. So <laughs> you probably shouldn't be doing that. So so, yeah, like, yeah. like, like what? So it doesn't affect him. It doesn't affect most of us. But I guess it will affect the people that it really should affect. I, yeah. I like to add. So this is protecting, right? You can use credit card to buy and all whatever. Last month, I have a friend who got scammed. Whole scam took place on Facebook. Okay, I have no idea how to prevent this kind of scam, but I'm saying that they should put more education into Web3 stuff. So what my friend did was they transfer money like Payla. Then the Facebook guy will tell him, "Oh, I already." send the crypto to you you can open this wallet then they go to a portal check your wallet but all these are fake right it's not credit card it's payla i think all these scams are more prominent 
compared to credit card buying or exchange, right? Because a lot of people are still not exactly sure how crypto or Web3 works, right? You, me, uh, Cohen, we are still learning. Maybe we are a little bit in front, yeah. just a little bit, but there are still a lot of people that are not unsure that how, how exactly it works. So they might think that it might work the Web2 way. So for those who are actually using credit card to buy, they are actually a step forward. There are still a big chunk behind I think they should actually put more education effort uh, the government wants uh, so that this kind of scam will not take place that easily. I feel the scam is a bigger problem than a user buying on exchange with a credit card than spending more. Uh, oh spending yeah, that's a, great, that, that's a great point. Yeah, I mean, that, that, this is exactly what happened last week in Hong Kong with the Hunex exchange, H-U-N-A-X. Yeah. These users got recruited on Facebook and then they were told to join a WhatsApp group and then there's a financial advisor and, you know, this guy tells them, that, oh, they should get into crypto and, you know, transfer it to this exchange. And it's all in a very, uh, you know, Web2 way. Uh, and the audience that were scammed, at least from the profiles that, uh, you know, SCMP featured, they're just these average Joes who don't even engage with, you know, with the ecosystem. It's just... To them, another so-called investment opportunity and they just wire the money to whoever and, you know, they don't see it coming back. So yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's education that's needed. And I guess if someone's already going onto an exchange and buying, yeah, that's a step forward. <laughs> yeah, um, the education on the scam is more challenging than by using credit card to buy. Yeah, yeah. This scamming, like it, it, you're right in saying that it's it's a bigger problem than crypto being you know a, vol- a volatile asset. Yeah, and sometimes if we think of it, credit card has a limit, right? Some people have five k, ten k, three k, hundred k. I don't know. If you have a hundred k limit on your credit card, most likely your income is also there. Mm-hmm. You you know what you're doing, right? So anyway, for me. I don't really pay much attention to MAS rules unless they do like income tax on crypto gain. Oh, then that's different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's also hard to report. Uh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Just before tax season, lose everything on, on uh, shit coins. Uh. Uh, yeah, buy, buy DGEN stuff. <laughs> okay. okay, since we are talking about DGEN stuff, we can move to the next topic. Yeah, what do you have for us? I think what's interesting for the last two weeks will be Blast. So Blast is a new L2 developed by the team uh, Pac-Man, founder of Blur. The platform aims to combat asset depreciation for Blur users. So what this means is that, so you know Blur is a NFT market exchange. People send in bits. Your Ethereum bits are just sitting there not doing anything, right? So it's not getting yield or anything. So his thinking is that, what if all this if can earn yield? So the thought process is that, oh, let's say if I develop an L2, layer 2, you are sending your bits. So your bits is just sitting there, right? But the true if is now sitting in layer 1 sticking. So as it sits there waiting for your bid to bid that next NFT, is also earning a 4% yield. This is one of the selling points or rather his starting point to build Blast as a layer 2. That means yeah. all the yield that are bridged over to layer 2 Blast, they are not idling. All of them are being sent to earn the ETH staking yield. So you are still using ETH, but you are using the Blast version of ETH on the Blast layer 2. So Blast is, I mean... Yeah, Blast or Blur basically is staking your crypto on your behalf. Yeah, you can think of it. They are staking on your behalf. 
So okay. once you bridge over, you are sort of like sticking. So it can be stable coin or it can be ETH. So this is plus side. La. Just this is how they sell it. But I think the big problem, not the problem, accusation and not accusation, the real thing people are talking about is that there's no L2. Blast just initiate the whole marketing campaign with a multi-sig. That means uh, with just a wallet address, a simple deposit contract. So okay. you deposit five ETH in, you are locked until the withdrawal function is ready. That's one. And you cannot do anything to it. And that wallet address that managed the deposit contract, which right now has $650 million, mm. just need three signatures. Or don't know, three or four out of five signatures to execute a transaction. So people are saying uh, today, if that five person or three person decided that I want to withdraw this $650 million out from wallet A to wallet B and say bye-bye, thank you, thanks for the half a BD, they can. Uh. <laughs> Yeah. So so this is the lack of transparency and concern. So people are saying that hey, why you don't want to release the three names? There are two schools of thought. One school of thought is that if I release that three name, what if there is this three name or that five name get social engineered? Right. Then they get scammed. Then maybe they didn't really want to, you know, hack the thing, but they got hacked. That's one. Uh, another thing is that on the other side, if you don't release the name, you keep it private, nobody though. But the retail uh, people like us complain, uh, like why you, you know, never let us know who is the name. Maybe all these five person is just you, one person, right? <laughs> Maybe everything is by Pac-Man, so you, so you don't know. So this is one of the concerns. Their marketing message is deposit your asset with us. These are the benefits. Because if you deposit if you get your if is not sitting there idling, you is earning a yield. And if you're earning stable coins, same thing, your stable coin is a yield. On top of that, uh, we are having points. So if you invite more friends to join in, you get more points. More points they never say, but it's hint uh, that it's gonna be an airdrop. The more points you get, the more airdrop you get. Uh. So very mm-hmm. typical. Then why do people like jump in? Like why 650 million? That's a lot of, uh, <laughs> let's say if we are still in a bear market, that's a lot of asset going into a single contract without any physical or any development in the L2, right? Yeah, that's the, my, my first thought, right? Like, aren't there easier ways to earn, you know, a few percent of your holdings? Why is everyone jumping onto this? I, I think people are not, people don't care about the 4% yield. People are not interested in this. People are interested in the airdrop. So mm-hmm. first is Pac-Man. So Blur, already proven, right? So they did the Blur airdrop before. People got rich. People, okay, maybe not rich, but free money, right? So people farm Blur. They got it before. That's number one. Second, invested by Paradigm. I think this one is a big one, right? So most of the <laughs> Paradigm projects, they do airdrop. People are aiming for the airdrop. And I think the last one is there are a lot of big KOL in yep. it. Reputable ones like Degen Spartan, CL207. Some are reputable, some are not that. People just jump in. Uh. Is it worth people's time, you think? Like, uh, I mean, you, you also talk a lot about, about airdrop farming before. I think for Blast, the selling point on top of your if is earning you is that they want to be an L2 where they are going to sell block space. My question is, do we need so many L2? And why will you use Blast? Uh, that's base, right? Yeah. But again, I feel people don't really pay attention to why you want to use the L2. Right now, the airdrop is the one that people are aiming for. People are sending invites. And these invites, I think some of the people also get annoyed, right? You know, everything is about invite, invite, then referral, referral. So 
it is one of the ways la, to get distribution, right? So today, if you are one person, pass to two person, two person, pass to three person, then you give reward the first person with incentive. People are annoyed by referral, but it's just how it is. La. So for example, when Grab first started, Uber first started, everything's by referral, right? To get the Ooh. message out. I think they're just implementing it for Plus. So right now, the straightforward answer is people are chasing Blast because anticipation of the airdrop. Because if the project like Blast L2 can get a high valuation, the airdrop amount will be higher. Second one is people are concerned or people are angry while you say you are L2, but it's not L2. You didn't have, you didn't build anything. You didn't put together anything. It's just a deposit contract right now. And who are the people and the deposit contract? Three out of five signature. Uh, can execute a transaction so people can run. So no transparency. There's a vision behind, right? If your B is sitting at blur, it's not doing anything. They just want to let you earn more yield for your idling asset. These three things put together is what we have Blast right now. But the main reason is people putting in asset to Blast because of the airdrop. I think this can be another topic, but in the long run, uh, in a bigger picture, there are so many L2s out there. ZK Singh, Base, Optimism, Arbitrum, and there are a lot more coming, like a lot more L2s coming. So why do people want to use Blast? Uh, that's yep, that's yep. the challenge that they're going to face. I mean, I, I think we, that, that's another topic that we need to discuss in more detail about the L2 competition and, and, and all the major players in the space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. L2 uh, will be an episode itself. Like. There are so, so, so many L2s right now. Just just to wrap it all up, is, is airdrop farming sustainable I, I guess this is like i mean that that's why there's so much tvl right in in, in blast right now it's just people are, are, are farming for airdrops yeah, farming. but this is also like a big thing in, in the crypto space yes in your opinion is it workable is it sustainable as a user like you know instead of buying crypto or like you know getting yield or whatever like you know you focus on farming airdrops okay so for me is it sustainable is something doable for me, for those high-profile one or interesting one, I will try to farm also. That's one. Mm. There's a reason why they need to do this. Because if you do airdrop, you are not a security, if I'm not wrong, in the eyes of SEC right now. right mm. now, It's like proof of work, right? I come, I make your TVL big. It's my proof of work. Uh, now give me some incentive. You know, they try to skirt around all these rules. I, I, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. Mm. But, you know, they need to do. Especially with big BC behind. Otherwise, how they exit? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it see it, it's more of a do you want to chase it because some airdrop like you, you use a lot of time but you only get back so little then you wonder is it worth your time or not anyway the answer is airdrop I will still chase it because it's free money okay it's not exactly free money you are using your asset you're parking your asset there there's a risk right what if Blast the deposit contract got exploited then my if is gone then no airdrop for me even if the airdrop come my if is still gone so there's a risk so airdrop is not exactly free but sometimes it's uh rewarding <laughs> so for me I, I i have to see the type of project and the things they want me to do not not exactly all risk-free uh. yeah 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 but then yeah, you're yeah. just you're just moving from one protocol to another one project to another i mean for, for the longevity of you know whatever 
Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, using. the this this part of the assets that you are using to move around is not your core portfolio, lah. It's just yeah. uh, you, know, you use it for DGN or use it for farming. So it's it's rewarding. I actually should stay tuned to to subscribe to your email newsletter because we are going to come up with more airdrop opportunities. Opportunities, ah, uh, not sure we but opportunities. <laughs> yeah, because the market is heating up. Yep. More companies will come up, so we will you know we will do some leg work. Help to find any meaningful airdrops, and we will just share it on the blockhead newsletter. Sounds good. I guess that's it for this week. Quite quick. Where where can our listeners find more uh, more of your insights? I have a Twitter account, and uh, that's called Going On Chain. G O I N G C H A I N. Cool. Thanks for listening, and see you next week. Okay. Cool. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.